0: Yeah, so yesterday I received a text message. What time is service starting? I checked, I'm like, ah, but you you are in UK. Why are you asking me what time service is starting? He said, yeah, bro, we are on our way. I'm like, huh? You're on your way? Yesterday, our brothers, our brothers from Olympic City in the UK. Oh, 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 oh. They decided to come and visit us. Amen. And we are privileged to have them in our midst. I wish we would give them a standing ovation as I invite on stage none other to bless us. He wasn't prepared for this, but the moment he said he will come, we have to tap into it. Amen. Amen. So let us give, lift up your voice, let us shout, celebrate Jesus right now. Oh, come on, you can do better than that as we invite our own Pastor Brian Bond. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Oh, come on, let's make some noise unto Jesus. Amen, amen. Oh, come on, you're not making the noise for me. You're making the noise unto Jesus. Amen. Amen. One of my struggles recently is the fact that when we come to the presence of the Lord, People get caught up in the atmosphere, but they don't take the presence of God with them. So they go back home and they go about their duties day to day. They have the same struggles. They have the same addictions. They have the same problems that they came to the presence of the Lord with. Today, the atmosphere is rich, but don't get caught up in the atmosphere. Make a decision that I'm going home with the presence of God. Oh, come on. I said you're going home with the presence of God. Amen. In every season, God has a mission to accomplish. Irrespective of COVID, irrespective of where we are meeting, irrespective of how you feel, the mission of God will always be accomplished. And I'm praying that God sees you fit and worthy enough to call you into his vineyard and work with you at accomplishing his mission as well. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we want to thank you this morning. We're grateful. We're grateful. We're grateful. The 11th month, O oh God, not by our works, not by anything that we have done, but Father, by your manifold blessings that you have bestowed upon us. Every morning we wake up thinking that it is our alarm clocks that have woken us up, but it is your grace. It is your grace. We thank you, our God. I want to pray in the name of Jesus. Speak unto your people. Minister your spirit unto them, that our lives will never be the same. We want to thank you in Jesus name. Amen. We want to thank God, Elder John. God bless you so so much for this wonderful opportunity. We have come all the way from UK. Um, I came with my brothers, three of my wonderful brothers, my groomsmen when I was getting married, brothers in arms, brothers in spirit, brothers in mission as well. I want to thank God for their life. I've got Kojo here right at the front I've got Hayford right here at the front as well, and I've got Michael right there behind them. We want to quickly get into the Word of God, um, and then we will pray. Is when we come to the presence of God, God always has something unique for us. God always has something unique for us. I've been told that this month, your theme or your vision for the month is victory through the blood of Jesus. And I thought that was a very powerful one, especially seeing that we are nearing the end of the year. Victory through the blood of Jesus. Victory through the blood of Jesus. I have a few scriptures, three scriptures that I want to read. And then after that, we will get into the word of God. I will start with Revelation chapter 12, verses 11. Revelation twelve, eleven. 11. It says, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. They did not love their life so much that they were afraid to what? To die. Let's go to 1 John 5. I believe that has already been read, but we'll just read through that very briefly. 1 John 5. I'll read from verses 1 to 7. Faith in the Son of God. 1 John 5. I'm reading from the NLT. Everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ has become a child of God. I was suspecting an amen. Amen. And everyone who loves the father loves his children. If we love God and obey his commandments, loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. I love that part. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. They are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Six, and Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit, who is truth, confirms it with his testimony. So we have these three witnesses. Amen. And then finally, one that I want to give to you, one that I want to add to your scriptures for this month, is Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4, I'll read from 1 to 7, and I want you to follow this very, very carefully. He says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves Until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. We are talking about victory through the blood of Jesus. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came God sent a son born of a woman subject to the law God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his own children 6 And because we are his children God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts prompting us to call out Abba Father Now you are no longer a slave but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Amen. 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 The power of the blood of Jesus has provided everything you need in this life. Not is going to provide, not will provide one day, not maybe will provide, but has provided everything that you need in this life to live a life of victory, including redemption, fellowship, healing, protection, and authority over the evil one. The reason why the world is in chaos is because Christians have become very good at speaking positively and petrified of speaking truthfully. We are very good at posting motivational talks but very scared of speaking the truth that has been embedded within our spirit by the Spirit of God. For that reason the world is in chaos. The world is in chaos, but world leaders are meeting, trying to find ways to bring an end to some of the issues that we have. How can you solve something that you never created? How do you bring peace when you don't know the the manufacturer of peace? If my iPhone breaks right now, I can't take it to Samsung. They wouldn't know what to do with it. But if we live in a broken world, who do we take that broken world to? The one that created the world in the first place. I am speaking to you about the victory that you have attained through the blood of Jesus. Amen. Not a victory that you will attain. I have no time for, to speak to you about what you would attain. I'm telling you what you have attained. As Christians, we know about the blood. Every first Sunday of the month, we come here and then we'll dine with the Lord and then we'll eat communion. And then we we'll say that you know, we are drinking the blood, you know, even though we are not, you know, I won't say it. <laughs> During Easter... This thing is heightened even more when we are talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We talk about the blood. We talk about the work that he did on the cross. But after that, my question is, do you actually understand what the blood has done? Maybe you haven't come to the full realization of that yet. But I am praying that in the month of November, as you journey through this victory, you will come to understand that this victory has not been purchased by yourself, but the work has already been done. You have just walked into it. You have just walked into it, you have just walked into it. It is like a Christian having a passport, or a British citizen having a British passport, knowing that they can, they could travel, you know, we left, but yeah, you know, we're still part of you guys. You could go to any, a lot of countries without necessarily needing a visa. Can you imagine having that passport, but you put it under your pillow? Will you ever get to anywhere? No. Nobody would care whether you're a British citizen. What identifies you as that citizen is the passport that you carry. But that passport is meaningless if you do not show it. So is the blood of Jesus. It has given you victory over so many different things. But that victory is void as long as you are hiding that blood. As long as you don't have a full realization of that blood. Let me give you a quick story of an old woman that lived in a village. She was the very last person. Electricity was brought to that village. And everyone in the town had electricity. This old woman didn't want to go for it because she didn't know what electricity could do. So eventually she was forced to take the electricity. Cool, she had it installed in the house and everything. But after months, the electricity company realized that the meter is not reading. So they thought there was something wrong with the meter in the house, so they went there. And they asked the woman, is everything okay? She said, yeah, that's fine, everything is fine what I do is that I turn on the light just so I can find my matchsticks and then I will light my lamp and then I turn the light off again. So you see that she's got electricity, she's got unlimited power in the house, but she has no idea how to use that power. A lot of us, we have the power of God embedded within us, but we have no idea how to use that power. For that reason, the Bible says in Acts 10.38 that how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. It is the same scripture in Acts 1, 8 that says that you will receive power. How many of us deem ourselves to be powerful? How many of us demonstrate this power in our workplace? How many of us demonstrate that power in our studies? How many of us demonstrate that power when somebody is sick in the confines of our homes? When Jesus received that power in Acts 10, 30, the Bible says that he went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed of the enemy, for God was with him. You have not come to the realization of your power yet. You have not come to the realization of the victory that you walk through day in and day out. But let's quickly move on because of our time from Genesis to Revelation. The words the blood are kept before our eyes. Right from Genesis. Scan through scripture. You will keep hearing the blood. The blood. The blood. It is for a reason. It is a reminder of the importance and significance to God and to us as well. I started off by saying that don't bask yourself in the atmosphere. Yearn for the presence of God. In the book of Genesis, we come to understand that the number one thing that God has always been interested in is relationship. God is just like all of us. Some of us we are praying for Bay, we're praying for a boyfriend, we're praying for a girlfriend, some of us we are praying for a husband. I heard the ladies that are singing, are praying, will add our prayers to it as well. Some of us, all we are yearning for is a job. All these things is the very same thing that God looks forward to as well. That you would have peace in him, so that your relationship will be better with him as well. So in Genesis, the Bible says that in the cool of the day, when everything was calm, relaxed, the atmosphere was right, God would descend in his heavenly manner. And have relationship with Adam and the wife. But we all know the story. There is nothing new that Satan can give you. Because Satan doesn't have anything. Everything that Satan gives to us is something that God has already given to us, repackaged. So in Genesis, when he told the woman that, are you sure this is what God said? The woman began to doubt, actually is that what God said? So the enemy went on to say that the day you will eat this, you will be like God. He he wasn't wrong. I don't like it when preachers say that the enemy came and lied, he didn't lie. He just presented in a different manner. God was looking for obedience, man was looking for power, but there was power that was already embedded in man, that man had no idea about. I've come to understand that even in the creation of God or God, you know, creating mankind or creating the universe, he only did a blueprint and then he gave the rest to Adam to carry on. So nothing that God created did he ever name. Then he taxed Adam to name those things. And when Adam named everything, it is not recorded anywhere in scripture that God changed anything. It shows you the power that God had given to Adam. But yes, though, Satan comes, and he tells you, the day you eat this, you'll be like God. May I'm already like God. I am already like God. I am already like God. I am speaking to you about victory that comes through the blood. So man fell. The very first time we hear of death was after the fall of man. After the fall of man. is, Is it not interesting that usually death is associated with, you know, sorrow and pain. But when it comes to Christ, it is victory. I was thinking about it last night, and I was saying to myself that this is very, very interesting. Usually when you go to funerals, you cry. As part of my study in Birmingham, I read something some time ago that for Satan... God presented his death, or Christ's death, as a bait on a hook. But just like any great fish, he saw the bait, never saw the hook. He thought that killing Christ would bring the end to everything. But he went for the bait. When he caught on the bait, there was a greater agenda at hand. And that agenda was for the rescuing of mankind. I pray that irrespective of where you find yourself, you will come to the realization that God never left you. God has never left you. God will never leave you. It is never in the intention of God to leave his people. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. I want to quickly run through one or two things. And then we will pray. The blood symbolizes cleansing and purification. It is the settling of any matter. When Satan raises an accusation against the children of God, this is what God does. Here is the blood. It's like a blank check. I'm waiting for the day I'll get so rich that I'll give people blank checks. But I'll tell the bank that it's limited. (laughs) I'll just be taking money out of my account like that. Every time Satan approaches God, he shows him the blank check. It doesn't matter. I always tell my people in O-C, it doesn't matter your body count. We live in a society and a generation where we are critics of everything. That is what the society has given us. So whilst I'm standing here, somebody is judging my English, my swag, my look, everything but the message that is being preached. We live in a generation where you have taken a picture of yourself with your own camera and your own thing. But somebody somewhere else is commenting whether you look good or not. So people go through mental health issues based on a comment that somebody has issued out to them. You haven't understood where you are yet. So in Galatians 4, because of our time, Galatians 4, it talks about the fact that although the child owns everything. I love that scripture. Let's go back to it. Let me start from one. It says, I think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not better off than slaves. It doesn't matter how much tongues you can speak. It doesn't matter how many hours you can pray. If you fail to understand that you're a child of God, the enemy is always at your door, and he will get you. He will get you. We always say that God is not a respecter of person. Satan, he doesn't respect anybody. Satan does not care about whether you are an ACC member or not. Satan doesn't care whether you can fast for 24 years in a row. Don't do it. You will die. (laughs) Satan doesn't care whether you have Brazilian hair or Peruvian or... Yeah. Bottom line is, unless you come to understand who you are, Satan does not care who you are. Satan does not care. So although you own everything... You are still treated like a slave. For some of us, we have been Christians, in quotation marks, for 10 years. Yes, though, it is the same addiction. Yes, though, it is the same relationship that we keep going back to. Every time we rededicate our lives, we will come forward. Every time we give our life to Christ, we will come forward. Every time we are going for baptism, every church you go to, you do baptism again. You haven't understood who you are yet. I went to a church some time ago. I won't mention the name of the church. I went there quite a while, a few times. Every time we did altar call, this, this young person came forward. I was like, ah. Okay, fair enough. Maybe they didn't understand it. So, what I was doing altar call, and I explained what the altar call is. Then he came forward again. I was like, no, 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 go and sit down. Because, no, you cannot keep altar calling your life all the time. It's not right. Then I sat him down. And I explained his position in Christ to him. You are still a slave. Because you don't understand who you are yet. You own the whole estate. But that victory is not being attained. Why? Because you don't know that your father owns everything. You don't know that your father owns everything. Last week I was preaching somewhere. And I was speaking to them about prayer. The concept of prayer. And interestingly we were using James 5 as well. James 3, sorry. And we were talking about the fact that when you pray bible makes it very clear very very clear that elijah was just a man like we are some of the other versions say that has natural instincts just as you so this morning i've not eaten if elijah doesn't eat he will also be hungry if i get home and i'm tired i'll have to sleep if elijah gets tired he gets what he sleeps When Elijah is frustrated, go and read the Bible. He can curse the whole land and run away. (laughs) Elijah is the sort of person that can tell God, "I know, enough is enough. Kill me. One woman screamed at Elijah and then he said, God, I'm done. Just same basic instincts. Elijah himself even did not know at some point who he was. But the Bible said. The Bible says that he made a declaration. It will not rain. A lot of people say that Elijah said that it will not rain for three years. He didn't give a time frame. He said it will not rain until I speak again. If I had that level of faith, huh, I would just walk to number 10. <laughs> Prime Minister, huh, do you know me? Uh, no, okay. You, you, were short, you, were, you were in short of petrol, and the whole nation was in chaos. <laughs> what I'm about to declare if you know that's some money into my account Elijah just said what it will not rain until I imagine if Elijah had died on the way (laughs) hey Elijah he has locked the heavens and put the key in his pocket and he's died have you ever thought about imagine whilst Elijah was going something just happened to him and then he just died or he lost his memory He's alive, but he doesn't remember what he said. (laughs) That is the confidence that we have in Christ. He goes on to say that they have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. Do you think you are in this church by yourself? The other time, a young person came to me. I moved to a new district, and a young person came to me that they have left the church. And I was asking them why, because me, I'm inquisitive. I always want to know why. Said, yeah you know, everyone is some way. Like then he went on. So I asked him, that, so what church do you go to? And then he said that he's gone, he's gone to a new place. And I asked him, have you been to a hospital before? He said, yeah. I said, who do you usually find in a hospital? He said, oh, sick people, innit? I said, okay. <laughs> who do you expect to find in the church? He said, Christians. I said, are you sure? In the church, for us, sinners are our customer base. Don't ever think that just because you have been in the presence of God for five years, you're better than somebody out there. It is just grace that has found you. It is just grace that has found you. So I told him, that hospital you have gone to, that you call a church. Sick people are there too. But you don't walk into a hospital and say, there are sick people here, so I'm leaving. You two, you are sick. He just looked at me. The other time, I was bored, so I called him. So, how are you doing, man? Like, yeah, 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 PB, I'm thinking of coming back, you know. <laughs> yeah, we are all here. We, all, the, all of us sick people, we are waiting for you. Come, we will accept you. So you are here for a reason and for a purpose. So that the guardians that God has set in place for you will teach you to, and bring you to a place of fulfillment. So every day you come in, Elder John will preach. Somebody else will give you a word. As you're leaving, somebody will give you a message. During the course of the week, there is fasting and prayers. During the course of the week, there is Bible studies. It is just so that one day you would inherit the things that your father has left for you. If not, you will remain a slave till you die. And I'm not talking about physical slave. I'm not talking about physical slavery. And this is what Paul says. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were slaves before Christ. Satan could direct and orchestrate our life anyhow he wanted. Anyhow, he wanted. This is Paul saying that this is how we were. You see, a lot of people say that Paul was not a Christian (laughs) before he met Christ. Are you sure? How many of you will be willing to kill for something that you believe in? For Paul, the only thing that he knew was Judaism. And he was willing to put his life on the line for that thing. How many Christians will stand and defend? For him... He was willing to slaughter all of them because of something that he believed in. I'm not saying step out there and start killing people, but I'm saying that, are you willing? The other time in Bible school, we were having a debate, and then we asked ourselves, "In this generation, can we find people that are willing to die for the gospel? I'm talking about ministers of the Church of Pentecost gathered. I was the youngest one there. Even the older one said, no. Hey, you're almost 50, you won't die. Me that I'm 30, you want me to die? Okay. Yeah, we, we are all not dying then. How many of us? Victory through the blood of Jesus. And that's the way it was with us before we came to Christ. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic, basic, very basic. They hear one thing, they are there. They hear another thing, they are there. Oh, this gospel concept is going to be great, they are there. They are not there to have an encounter with God. They are there to have an encounter with man. You are a slave. This church is good. They go there for two months. This church is good and they go there for two months. Do you know the name of people that hop from one thing to the other? Mm, I won't say it. But I heard somebody say it. I bless God for your life. You are hopping. You are hopping. The only way your relationship gets better is when you work at it. Same with your Christian faith. Same with your Christian faith. You have not been called for the church. You have been called unto God. Don't ever think that you're doing anybody a favor by coming to church. The people of old thought they could corner Jesus with that. So Jesus told them that God can raise children out of this stone for Abraham. Stones. Sometimes we come to church, we have to beg people to even praise God for me suit or no suit I'm crazy for my God jeans or no jeans I'm crazy for my God if you tell me not to come to and sit at the front I'll sit at the back if you not tell me not to sit at the back I'll stand there because the outside is not for you and as for the word of God I'll hear it don't let anyone deter you from coming to the presence of your father let me bring my message to a close so we can pray He says that, but when the right time came, God sent a son. You remember I mentioned that in Genesis there was a mistake. How I quantify is that it was like Adam and Eve was representing the whole of mankind at the Olympics game. You see, when you send your very best from Netherlands to represent at the world stage, when they come back with gold, you said that, well, we have won gold, but you were not there. Auntie is laughing like crazy. He's mad. You said we have won what? Gold. You don't even have a passport. <laughs> but you said we have won gold. I have never set foot in Old Trafford before, but I'm a MyU fan. When we... W- Everybody quiet. <laughs> when we win any game, I said we have won. <laughs> Me that I don't even know one player's name. I said we have won. So Adam and Eve represented us in the garden. Then they made a mistake. But God was not done with us. God set a trajectory to bring us back to himself. And that is the victory that I want to quickly touch on. God sent his son at the right time. At the right time. Born of a woman. Subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us. You didn't get that. He came, and then he had to buy, but he couldn't pay with currency. Understand this. When God or when Jesus came into contact with Satan, he couldn't trade with money. He couldn't trade with faith. He couldn't trade with just spoken words. He couldn't trade with anything. The only thing that Satan was willing to take was the blood of the Son of God. But Jesus looked at the situation, looked at you to come in 2,000 years, looked into the future and realized that his love for you is much bigger than anything else. Said that I am willing to put my life on the line. Therefore, here is that life. Take it and give me all those children of God. And then he gave his life. And in that blood, in that blood, in that blood, So Bible says that in Exodus, they marked the adult post with the blood. And when the angel of death was walking past, he looks at the blood and then he walks past. He sees the blood and he walks past. Maybe Satan is attacking you because you haven't come to understand that there is a blood that is supposed to mark you. So you engage in all sorts of things. You engage in all sorts of things. Forgive me if I keep repeating myself, but I'm a youth pastor and I repeat certain things. You keep engaging in all sorts of things. Enough. 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 God sent him to buy freedom for us. Who were slaves to the law. So that he could adopt us. As his very own children. And because we are his children. God has sent the spirit of his son. Into our hearts. Have you ever been to your friend's house? The way they talk to their parent. You can't talk to the parent like that. It doesn't matter how free you are with the family. I can go to my parents' house and walk into my father's bedroom. None of my friends can do that. But they are very close to the family. You see, sonship has benefits. I want you to understand that. Sonship has benefits. When Christ died, he did not just die. Bible says that then he adopted us. He could have just bought our freedom and said, go, about your business. Every month I'll put money in your account. But he said, no, I'm adopting you. I'm putting my same name on you. That is why you're called a Christian. Because the name of Christ is now on you. Therefore, you must watch the way you live. He adopted us. And then, as if that was not enough, the Bible says that he put his spirit in our hearts. This time, he's not just breathing it into us like he did in Genesis. He's taking the Spirit and he's putting it in your heart. The place where you have feelings. Hmm. When people get caught up in love, they say things, you know. And because we are his children, God sent his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Our Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. Do you see how he concludes it? He starts off by saying that you were a slave to the basic principles of spiritual needs. Then God sent his son to buy your freedom. That was not enough. He adopted you. Then he put a spirit in you. And then he gives you that boldness to call him father. And then also he makes you an heir, which means that you rule. Don't go to your workplace thinking that you are about to rule. You rule. Maybe you have never understood this principle. Understand that the victory that Jesus gives, he will not give it, he's given it 2,000 years ago. So if anything, you are shortchanged because you've not been living in it. You've been a Christian for 10 years, but you have never known victory in your life. I pray that as we get into a time of prayer, you will come to understand that I will not just come to the church and just enjoy the atmosphere. For me, I am taking the presence with me. In my workplace, I carry the presence. In my school, I carry the presence. In my marriage, I carry the presence. (laughs) Whatever I do, I carry the presence of God. Finally, last week Friday, I started my annual leave. So I thought, okay, let me, for me, I didn't want to stay in the UK because I know our people. If you are around, you are not on leave. (laughs) So I was setting off on Friday last week. Yeah, Friday last week. On my way to the airport i got a i'm a traveling minister which means i look over universities i got a message from one of the presidents that one of their students has been hospitalized for the last nine days the message was very strange because we usually tell them that if such things happen do let us know nine days and they said they've been praying but it doesn't seem to be getting better (laughs) i wanted to say continue praising you have been doing for nine days carry on so I just said, okay, what is the problem? I said, oh, Pastor Brad, I can't go into it, so if you can give her a ring. I said, okay, give me her number. I gave her a ring. When I called her, I felt so emotional because she just broke down and started crying. And I asked her a very simple question. Are you a Christian? She said, yeah, but I've not, I've not, I've not spoken to God for so long. I said, then you are not a Christian. Because if you understand your Christianity, you don't allow distance to stop you from coming to your father's presence. Have you not read about a prodigal son? The Bible says that every day the father was looking forward to him coming back. Every day. God never gives up on us. So I asked her what, was the, what the problem was. Long and short of it was that her lungs were just failing for, for some reason. They've got her on oxygen. And yet, still, she's on the maximum of oxygen. So I just asked her I can pray for you but do you believe? Whether she said yes or no because of the tears I didn't even hear her. She was just crying I was like ah sister <laughs> they called my fly me I'm about to when I leave I won't call you so let's do this thing now. I said okay let me just quickly pray for you. Then I prayed and one thing that I said that later I was thinking about was I didn't do any Pentecostal prayers. You know the one that that John does? Those heavy tongues. I just said, God, remember your daughter. This is your daughter. Remember your daughter and bring healing to her. I told her that I would give her a ring again. But I knew within my heart (laughs) that I'm on annual leave. I prayed with her on Friday. On Tuesday, she sent me a voice note. That they've taken her off the oxygen now. And then I asked them, what are they saying? They said that, okay, they're going to discharge her in a few days. But she'll have to go through physio for about nine weeks. I don't know what came over me. But I just told them that it doesn't take God nine weeks to heal you. That's all I just said. I have this confidence in my God. That every word that proceeds out of our mouth. Matthew 16, 18. Says that I've given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind here on earth shall be bound in heaven. And if you lose it here on earth, you shall lose it in heaven too. Shall we be on our feet? There is victory. There is victory. There is victory. There is victory. Where are you in your Christian life? Just wherever you are. I want to do something very quickly. I want to give you a chance. Maybe you haven't understood ever your role in Christ. All eyes closed. With all humility, all eyes closed. Maybe this Jesus that has bought freedom for you that I'm talking about. Maybe you don't know him. Bible says in Hebrews nine twenty seven that it is appointed unto man to die but once and after that what? Judgment. Maybe you don't know this Christ that I'm talking about. I don't want to sing for you to get caught up in any atmosphere. Because the songwriter says that when the music fades and all is drift away. I don't want the music to fade and then you realize that I've made a decision. But wherever you are, do you know Jesus? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Has he bought freedom for you? If you have not given your life to Christ, wherever you are, just lift up your right hand. So that you would come to understand that there is victory that is bought. Freedom that is bought. If you don't know Jesus, this is not time for you to be shy. Just lift up your right hand. Just lift up your right hand wherever you are. With all eyes closed. If you don't know this Jesus, we won't spend too much time on this but I want to give you that opportunity because one day the music will fade one day this thing that you know called life will end and then you will stand before God that day he's not selling or buying freedom for anybody that day he stands as a righteous judge and he will judge you based on the decisions you made here on earth I always say that this body that we live in is the one that is making all the decisions for you but on the day of judgment this body won't be there don't allow this judge this body to take you to hell just for another few seconds if you don't know jesus 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 if you know jesus Jesus, yet you have never experienced this victory that we are talking about wherever you are just place your right hand on your chest You don't know this victory that we are talking about. You haven't experienced victory in your life yet. Place your right hand on your chest. Place your right hand on the chest. Place your right hand on your chest. If your a John can join me up here. You don't know this victory that we are talking about. You don't know this victory that we are talking about. Wherever you are, just open your mouth. Begin to say something unto your God.